Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. You know, I was, I've been thinking a lot about this woman that in John chapter 4, we've been digesting this Samaritan woman, right? This, this woman that Jesus encounters at a well and then gives her this offer that is the best offer of her life. And really, it's that you can drink from a well and drink from a water that will never run dry and it's everlasting life. And so we're right at the last piece of this woman. And I apologize. I know we're like going really slow in the book of John. I don't know how long it's going to take to get through this book. But we're going to just take our time because I really want to, to digest and to pull out all of um, the, the, the small context that is so important for us to understand. But for, for this talk today um, within John chapter 4, you know, I've been thinking about what it means to, uh, to grow in our discipleship to Jesus or to, to get bigger, to get stronger. And just lately, if you know me, you know that if, if I'm really busy, I just won't eat. I don't know if there's anybody in the room that, that it gets like that for you, where you're just so busy with things to do, or you're just so, you, you have things that you got to get done throughout the day. Well, I don't eat when that happens. <laughs> there's times where I'll go throughout a whole day, and then at night, I come home, and Kelly's like, what'd you have to I'm like, this is my first meal of the day. She's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so there's a couple of guys in the room that are like the young guns that like to work out, and uh, they actually know a lot more than I do, which I, I'm humble, so I don't care how old you are. I want to learn from you. And so there's a couple guys that, that have just been pouring into me and just saying, hey, man, like, you want to you gain more muscle? Well, you got to eat more. I'm like, yeah, I, I've known that. And so it's like a really simple principle, but it's also really hard to do for those that don't eat a lot, right? And so one of the things that we've been doing is, is I was encouraged to start taking creatine. I know it's like, okay, here we go, come on. But with creatine, if you understand the science behind it, you have to drink a lot of water. And that's a problem for me. Because I drink more coffee sometimes than water. I don't know about you. That's my confession this morning, is I, I don't drink enough water. And so now I've been having to drink like a gallon of water a day. And, and I'll be honest, there's no way I can like, I try really hard to do that, Ryan. Okay, I tried, bro. <clears throat> But in the beginning, I started to, like, think about this, this process of how much food I need to be digesting. And so then I went to, like, Chick-fil-A with the guys, and they're like, no, bro, you need to have two sandwiches. Because in the protein, how much protein is in a Chick-fil-A sandwich? 35. 35 grams of protein. I'm like, all right, bro, so I'll have two of them then. You guys going to have two? Like, you're not that much younger than me. Let's do it. I'll have two. And I've just been realizing, oh, okay, if I want to gain more weight or gain more muscle, I need to be eating more food. So you have to eat with purpose then. Before, I wasn't eating with purpose. Before, I was just like eating to eat. And I wasn't realizing like, oh, yeah, I always have known you need more protein. But, man, when you like get serious about it, it's pretty interesting. It's like if you want to lose weight, here's, here's my tip for you. Stop eating bread. Try it. It's hard, man. There's a lot of uh, Latinos in the room, and we like our bread and tortillas, and good luck with that, man. <clears throat> and then some get, like, really into it. This is not me, where it's like, you got to count your calories. 
Are there any calorie counters in the room? Come on. I'm not that guy. There's, I can't do that. Sorry. That's, that's way too extreme. That's like the advanced people. That's not me. I'll just eat, and it's like, hey, hopefully I ate enough today. But the protein, I need to count that one. I need to count that one. But I, I was got thinking about this, this idea of eating with purpose. And that's, that's what I want to talk to you about today. That in this journey, we need to be doing things that bring purpose. There's reason why you should do something. There's reason why you should not do something. So if you want to open up the scripture with me to John chapter 4, starting at verse 27, it says, Just then, his disciples returned. Remember, Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well. And they were surprised to find him talking with this woman. Side note, and hopefully you remember this, rabbis did not speak to women in public. Even if you were married, you did not speak to your wife in public because a rabbi was to be super, super spiritual. And for some reason, that, that cut them out of their spiritual journey. So this is another context, another time and day. So they were actually shocked that he was talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Remember, he called out the darkness within her. Right? He talks about the five husbands she had, and then the one that she was with wasn't even her husband. Could this be the Messiah, she tells the people of Sychar. They came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. You've been like going all day. We've been on mission. You've been busy. You got to eat. Sounds like my mom, right? Like sounds like my friends around me. Sounds like, like people that are like, dude, what's, what are you doing? Like you need to eat food. And so I resonate with Jesus on this one piece. He says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. His disciples said to each other, could something have brought, someone brought him food? Like what's Jesus talking about? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. In context in this moment, in this space, the harvest was actually incredibly ready. In Sikar, in Samaria, when he said, look around, there were plains around him and it was ready to be harvested. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, Jesus says. Others have done the work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I love that one verse he said. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And what I eat is the purpose of God. It kind of reminds me when Jesus is tempted in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness. And the first thing that the devil comes to speak to him when he comes to lie is Jesus was fasting. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil, the serpent, the liar, the father of lies comes and says, Jesus, if you are the son of God, why don't you change these stones into bread? To which Jesus' response was, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus ate with purpose. Jesus moved with purpose. 
Jesus acted with purpose. And I wonder where you're at in this purpose journey. Do you, one, first question, even have a purpose? Do you have something that pushes you, that wakes you up in the morning? Do you get so uh, focused on the dream at hand that you even forget to eat? So it's like, that's where we're at right now with Jesus. That's what he's trying to teach his disciples. He says, I am on a mission. I have purpose. And my purpose, let me make it very loud and clear for you, is to do the will of the Father. It's to only do what he tells me to do. Anything outside of that, I will not do. So that is what wakes me up. That is what drives me. That is what pushes me. That is what builds the engine within my soul. That is why I don't have to eat because what I eat is the will of God. Now, of course, Jesus had to eat. He was human. We're human. But is there anything in your life that you are so passionate about that you actually forget to eat? I can tell you for me in my journey, there has been times where I am so driven in something. There is so much passion behind what I'm doing. I honestly forget to eat because what I am doing is more important than food. And by the way, I have found for my particular life and journey what my passion is, what my call is. And I have taken hold of that call, and no one will get in the way of it. You have to find your call. You have to find your dream. If it's to be a teacher and to speak life into students, that's the dream and the call and the passion. Then do everything that you can to speak life into a high schooler. If your dream is to see people find meaning and purpose in life, then step into that. If your dream is to see your family grow and break every generational curse of old, then step into that. What moves you forward? What gives you the passion to step towards the future? The great keynote of Jesus' life is submission to the will of God. Did you know that? If you could have one statement for what, why was Jesus here, it was to do the will of the Father. His uniqueness lies in the very fact that he was the only person who ever was or ever will be perfectly obedient to God's will. Here we have Jesus in perfect form, fully God, fully man, but he was so obedient that he knew exactly what he was supposed to do, and he didn't let anyone get in the way of it. In fact, the devil, in Matthew 4, says, Jesus, I can give you all of the kingdoms of the world. We can expedite this. I can give it to you right now if you would just bow to me. And Jesus says, that's not the will. That's not what the Father has told me to do, I will do and listen and say and breathe and act only in what the Father tells me to do. It can be truly said that Jesus is the only person in all of the world who never did what he liked, but always did what God liked. Think about that for a moment. I mean, we're, we're human, so even if we feel like we have a call or we have a passion, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter who you are. There still will be moments where on that journey, you will still do things that you like more than what Jesus likes. But the pursuit is to get 
so close to the Spirit of God, to be one with the Spirit, that you can begin to decipher which is your like and which is God's like. John 14, 23, as I skip ahead, I just want to show you this. This is what Jesus says. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So side note, really quick. <laughs> Do you love God? Okay, then you should obey him. We're done. We can leave. But it's usually not the case. So then it's like there's a frustration that comes with that. I wonder how frustrated God gets with us at times. Why can't we just obey his teaching? Why can't we just live under his will? So if we want to do the will of the Father, then we must obey his teaching. So then if I really want to step into the power of God, I need to know everything he taught about, and I'll just do that. That is a man or a woman that is radical towards the things of God. And I, I would argue in our, our church context, that, that is what radical discipleship looks like. Everyone in the culture is saying, you can do this, but I'm not going to do that. Everyone in the culture is saying, it's okay to think like this, but if, the, if it is contrary to the word of God, I will not participate. Why? Because I eat with purpose, man. I know where I'm going. That, in fact, is what wisdom is. It's eating with purpose. It's knowing what the Father wants to do in your life and just doing that. So step one, if you're, if you're asking yourself this question, then, then what is the will of God? I would first say, don't even ask, what am I supposed to do, and what's my dream, and what's my purpose? I would encourage you to go to every teaching of Jesus and start there. Because as you catch his heart, as you catch his call, as you catch his passion, as you see the purpose of Jesus, you then can walk into the purpose in your own life because your heart has been transformed by him. Have you ever asked God this? It's a dangerous prayer, by the way. God, give me your heart. If you haven't, here's my challenge to you. But beware. He will give you his heart. I mean, James makes it very simple, like ask and you will receive. If you want wisdom, ask for wisdom. So there needs to be a point in your life that you say, you know what, God, I want to start feeling what you feel. I want to hurt like you heart. I, I, I want a heart like yours. I want to know what you think and feel about not just the people in my life, but in the world to which I live. I want your will and your purpose for my life. So change my heart from the inside out. And I can promise you, you will find a fight within your soul. Because the things that God wants you to do, your soul, your, the, the, the monster within, you know those monsters? The, the, the lies, the wounds, the tragedies, the things that have happened at, when you were younger that you haven't found healing in, they will come up and emerge and combat the will of God in your life. That's why you need the teaching of God. That's why you need the teaching of Jesus. That's why you need to participate, not just... Notice this, in word but in spirit. Walk with God and find him and know him. He lays it down out of his personal experience and on his personal example that the only proof of love, watch this, the only proof of love lies in the keeping of the commandments of the one, of the one person they claim to love. So let me say it like this. If you say you love somebody... The proof of that love is that you will participate in a journey with them and that you'll walk with them 
And if, if you're married and they say, I want you to stop, I come after this all the time, sorry, I just can't stand it. <laughs> drinking, hey, the alcohol is getting bad. Can you stop drinking, husband? Well, do you love your wife? Because it's getting bad. Or can you stop watching porn? Do you love your wife? Because it's getting bad. If you love her, you'll follow the commandment. <laughs> it's that simple. So when Jesus comes to you and you're like frustrated with God and you're like, why am I not seeing the results or why am I not walking the way that I want to walk? Well, then I would ask you to look at your heart and say, are you following the commands of God? Let's just go really elementary. What if you're now your wife? What if your wife or your husband, let's, let's pick on the women for a moment. What if your husband says, I want you to stop lying. Stop lying. You just lie too much. That was like a white lie. Like we were at church and you were talking and that was a lie that you said. Why would you do that? You lie all the time. Stop lying. <laughs> well, if you love her, <laughs> you'll start, stop lying. Do you see how simple this is? So if we take that to another level with you and your relationship with God, by the way, God's not nagging you. Your wife's not nagging you. God is just holding you accountable to the authority that you already have. Because you have authority, you're just not stepping into it. You're just not accessing it. So stop getting upset with people calling you out. They only want to see God move in your life because you need to start to learn how to step into the will of God. But before we even talk about that, just listen to his commands. Then you'll know if you really love God. I mean, that's what the scripture says. And I'll read it again. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to make a home with them. So Jesus lays it down again. This is obedience of Jesus. And it was not, as it is with us, an emotional excitement. Are you guys doing good? I just got to check in really. I, I, know, I know like I go like really challenger, but I'm just tired of playing games. Like we need to get to the seriousness of this. Watch this. I just want to say it like this. This obedience of Jesus with the Father when he said, hey, guys, my purpose my, my food that I eat is to do exactly what the Father tells me to do. So Jesus, he can do that because he's God. But also what happens with us is we begin to do those things with what I would call an emotional excitement. I get emotionally excited. So then for a moment, I'll start doing all the things that God told me to do, but it's just based out of emotion. And can I say it like this? Love we think is emotion first. It's not emotion first. It's actually action. It's actually obedience. For those that have been like married for 20 plus years, is there anyone in the room by the way? Been married 20 plus years, can you just raise your hand? Come on, I love that. Mom, I see you, yeah. That's, I see, that's amazing. We should applaud that, like seriously. Like we should have everyone stand up and applaud because that. That is a commitment. I promise you, if I handed the mic and said, describe love, they wouldn't say it's all about the butterflies and emotions. No way. It's about a commitment. It's about a command. It's about obedience. And if we think that our walk with Jesus is all about emotion, 
oh man, you're gonna, that's, that's an emotional excitement and that eventually will fade away. It must be rooted in an obedience to love. I love you no matter what. I am giving my life to you no matter what. No matter come hell or high water, I will stand with you. In sickness and in health, I will stand with you. If we lose everything, I'm not, I will stand with you. If you make a mistake, because you probably will, I'll stand with you. That what, that's what love is. But our culture, for some reason, because of like the Netflix and we live in like California and the Hollywood movement, it's like, it's all emotion. <laughs> the reason why I bring all that up is because we can do the same thing with our relationship with God. And I don't want that to be the case for you. I want you to follow God and to love God, yes, out of an emotion of love, because God actually created emotion, by the way. It's the dashboard of our soul to let us know where we're at. But we should never move or make our decisions for our life based off that dashboard of our emotion. It should always be out of a value, out of a commitment, out of obedience. This obedience of Jesus was not an emotional excitement, which, by the way, we can, it can happen in our life when we're not aware of the idols in our life. You know, we got some idols. <laughs> you might not know it, but you might have some idols in your life that you're worshiping more than you should be worshiping God. Whatever you worship, you will obey, by the way. Whatever you worship, you will obey. So it was the very essence of being and the mainspring and the core, the dynamic and the moving power of Jesus' life. It is his great desire that we should be as he was. So here's the first thing if you're taking notes. There's three points I want to just kind of put out for the note takers. The first, to do the will of God is the only way to peace. Do you know that? You want to find peace? Do the will of God. And I'll prove it to you in a moment. There can be no peace when we are inconsistent with the king of the universe. The second is to do the will of God is the only way to happiness. Yeah. If you want to find true happiness, do the will of God. There can be no happiness when we set our human ignorance against the divine wisdom of God. And the last is to do the will of God is the only way to power, to true power. When you walk in the way he calls you to walk, you get, you get access to that spirit of God, to the Holy Spirit. When we go our own way, we have nothing to call on but our own power. You, you get this? So if you just step into your power, you will never be filled with the feeling that you need from the God that has all power. The last that I checked theologically, God is all-knowing, all-present, but he's also all-power. He's, he's the very creator of the air to which you are breathing right now. So I want to access his power, not my own. If I start walking in my power, I will fall eventually. I will collapse, and it will be inevitable. When we go God's way, we go in his power, and therefore victory is secure. Do you hear that? Victory is secure when you walk in his power. Okay, so what should you be eating? That's the question. The way and the will of the Father. 
if you got anything from this conversation today, what you should be eating spiritually is to just do what the Father tells you to do, is to just be obedient to everything he has called you to step into. Solomon, by the way, was right. If you know who King Solomon was, long story short, he was the son of David as a king, and he had the rightful heir to step in. And he was terrified in his young years to step into a kingdom to which he didn't know how to be a leader yet. And he goes to God and he says, all I ask for is that you give me wisdom. And God gives him wisdom. So Solomon wrote a book called the book of Ecclesiastes. Go read it, but beware. It's kind of um, like down. <laughs> because he talks about how life being meaningless at times. And he actually has a great argument for it. That life gets very difficult and life is incredibly hard, and oftentimes we focus on things that are meaningless, not realizing what is right in front of you, not realizing the call of God in your life, not realizing to do the will of the Father is to step into power. So he says this at the end of Ecclesiastes. He says, not only was the teacher wise, but he was also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set and ordered many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. And what he wrote was upright and it was true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no need, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. You ready? Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil. So Solomon says when he comes to the end of his life, arguably... It, in regards to the Bible, that he was the wisest man to ever live this earth. Kings and queens would journey to Israel to just get under his counsel. And he says, hey, I figured it out. I figured out the meaning of life. It's to fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of mankind. If you do that, I would argue you will find happiness. Life won't always be happy, but internally you will find life. I would argue when you do the will of God, when you fear God and keep his commandments, you will actually find peace. Not out there. You will never find peace out there, but within you. Because God brings peace. God brings joy. God, in fact, brings love and life. So here's the big question that everyone has. How do I know if it's the will of God? You ever ask yourself that question? I'm going to give you an answer today. <laughs> but you have to wrestle with it, with fear and trembling for your own salvation, your own call, your own purpose, your own ministry. This is a principle that I have learned in my own life. Let's look at the modeled patterns of virtues and expressions we should all desire. Paul gives us a blueprint in Philippians 4, 8 through 9, and he says this. So let me share it to you like this. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know how to access it? Well, here it is. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice, put into practice and actually do them. These are virtues that theologians have pulled. Paul is actually pulling from the Roman Empire, from Philippi. He's pulling from the the Socrates philosophers of the day. And he turns it and he says, this is how you step into the will of God. This is how you move forward. Do these things. Let this be the blueprint, the litmus test of how you move forward when you're asking God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? God, what's my will? What's your purpose for my life? What have you called me to do? Well, first, Jesus would say, do the will of the Father. Yeah, but what does that mean? Well, read the teachings of Jesus and then step into these virtues. Because here's the thing. I think some of us get so preoccupied with the the minute details. One of my my main um, gifts that I believe, if you've ever taken the Strength Finders, is futuristic. I love thinking about the future. Sometimes I feel like I'm more in the future than I'm in the now. Sometimes when I get up here and preach, I feel like I'm already there in the future. Because that's, that's one of the gifts that God has given me. I love thinking and processing and dreaming and praying for the future. But I've also learned I have to live in the now. So when you're thinking about that dream or that call or that mission or that ministry, whatever it is in your life, make this a blueprint. I'm going to do it, read it again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy in the things that you feel God has called you to do, think about those things. Have that be the parameter to which you dream of the future. Whatever you've learned, look at the way Paul, Paul's saying as a pastor, whatever you've learned, look at this. Test it out. Put it into practice. Do something about it. Because what good is it? Can I just be honest? What good is it to talk about it all the time? Like, come on, man. Like, how long are you going to talk about going and applying for that job? (laughs) How long are you going to talk about quitting your job and starting whatever it is you feel God's called you to do? How long, man? You're actually the one getting in the way of God now. You're being disobedient to his call. If he told you to do it, then why aren't you doing it? Well, you know, I'm afraid, and I'm worried, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about that. It's like, well, that's what faith is. How do you think Jesus felt? In fact, he felt the same way when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says that Luke, as a doctor, documents him, and he was so stressed out that he was sweating blood. He was so overwhelmed that he did not want to do what God says, said to do, and that's to die. Because he knew the weight of the world that would be placed on him. He even asked God, is it possible that we could do, like, another route? And then he reminds himself, no, 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 I've taken on faithfulness. Faithfulness is, will get me through this perseverance. I must take on perseverance now. I have been faithful to do the will of God. I'm not giving up now. I'm going to step in and I'm going to step forward. So, by the way, when you step into whatever that call or dream is, can I be honest with you? It doesn't get any easier. In fact, it gets harder. You want to step into the will of God? Then just know you're stepping into danger. You're stepping into a fight. You're stepping into 
not only a cosmic beauty, but you're stepping into a lot of demons coming after you. A lot of people speaking against you. A lot of people saying stuff about what, whatever it is they want to say about. Whatever it is that God has placed in your life, I promise you, you will have resistance for it. Because I would argue, whenever you want transformation, there will always be resistance. Whatever you want to do that is good, that is pure, that is lovely, that comes with a fight, friend. But if you want to do everything bad and dark and mean and cruel, oh, that's easy. We could do that all day. What about being married for 20 years? That's not easy. That comes with a fight. What about being committed to the will of God? That does not come easy because there's going to be days that you want to wake up and say, man, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to go serve, talk to those guys. Faithfulness. Are you going to listen to the will of God? I don't want to wake up and do the things that God has told me to do because today I just feel tired. Faithfulness. This is what it means to do the will of God. Is to pursue him with everything that you are and to model your life after his way. And he was simply obedient. Can you be obedient to God? Can you do the things that he's called you to do when no one's looking? Yesterday, we worked out with a group of men. It was really cool. We we're thinking about putting like a pull-up bar in the back room, or the back area back there. <laughs> but I, I, love, I love challenging my body, honestly. I really do love this because when it gets really hard and like everyone's like not around you and you're running, like no one's around, you, what do you want to do? You're like, You see, you see, the, right? I love those moments. I, I honestly, seriously, I'm just, this, this is just where my mind's, when those moments come, that's when I challenge myself. Sam, who are you when no one's looking? Can you keep going? Who are you when all of the lights are turned off and it's two o'clock in the morning and no one's looking? Who are you in your secret place? Are you waiting for someone to, to see you so you can just pick it up? No, 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 no. God's looking. The Father's looking. And he's looking for those to do the will of him. He's looking for those who actually love him more than they love themselves. That's my encouragement for you this morning. Can you do the things when no one else is looking and be obedient to the Father? So let me help you with your questions about the will of God. If you do that thing, if you feel called to do it, will it just be for you? Will it benefit just you? Or if you do that thing and everyone in the world did it, think about this for a moment. If you came up to me, you're like, man, I feel like I got a call from God, man. I feel like I got it. It's like, okay, tell me it. <laughs> and if it's just for your benefit, that is not from God. <laughs> you see, when God gives you a call, it is never about you, it's about others. So if everybody in the whole world was to do that thing that you're doing and the world would become a better place, oh, then step into it. And by the way, as you step into it along the journey, God will make it very clear what it is that you need to do and not do. But you need to actually do something. So go back to Philippians and ask yourself, when you're praying, is this in alignment with these virtues that God has placed in his word? 
It says this, Jesus said, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. There are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest, a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. So in this passage, there are two things that Jesus is trying to say. The first is that there is a reminder of an opportunity that you have. The harvest waits to be reaped for God. There comes times in history when people are, are curiously and strangely sensitive to God. Do you know that? Every revival that we see in our history books, for some reason, God decides to do something and people are sensitive to his spirit. They, 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 they're, they're leaned in a little bit more. What a tragedy it is for God's church at such a time that we fail to reap the harvest that he has given us. There are opportunities not only within the kingdom of heaven, but even in your life that you need to take advantage of. Opportunities, man. How sad it would be if you're not focused on the will of God and you don't even see it in front of you because you're so preoccupied about everybody else, what everybody else is doing, and you haven't been in your word, and you haven't been obedient to him, you will miss opportunities in your life to do the will of God. So the second is, there is a reminder of a challenge. It is given to many to sow, but not to reap. There are many ministries or callings or even possible churches that succeed, not by their own force and merit, but because of some saintly men or women who have lived and preached and died and left an influence which was greater in their absence than in their presence. Many have to work and never see the result of their labors. Are you okay with that, by the way? To toil and to work and to do everything God has told you to do, but you don't necessarily see the, the, the beauty of what you've put into the ground. But there will come a day in God's timing that he'll produce the harvest for it. That, again, is obedience. There was a man who loved his estate and knew each flower by name. He was an old man. He was 75 years old. There were certain plants which would take 25 years to flower. This 75-year-old would never see their beauty, but somebody would. Somebody would. No work for Christ and no great undertaking ever fail. In fact, with God, when you fail, it's just, it's a ground for God to do something more in your life. It's like what I'm working, I'm, I'm learning about working out. It, when you go to the gym, you have to actually fail in the gym to grow muscle. I love that, by the way. Oh, I got to fail. I got to work really hard so that I actually fail. Because that's, honest, that's life, friend. You can work really hard and push yourself, and there will be moments where you think you're a failure. God says, no, 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 you've just been obedient to me. That's just life. So pick up your cross and keep moving forward. This is what it means to do the will of God. Jesus set the light in motion and all we have caught vision of is the hope of glory. Now, you must decide to lean in with him. 
This is what it means to eat with purpose, by the way. So I hope you get so preoccupied with the passions of your life that you literally forget to eat. And someone has to come to you and be like, hey, like, do you know you're supposed to be eating right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so focused on this mission. I am so focused on what God has called me to do. People are dying. People are committing suicide in the high schools right now, in the junior highs right now. Young girls don't know their purpose. What is the church of God doing? I don't need to eat. I need to do the will of God. There are people in your life right now that need a touch of heaven, and only you have access to them. What on earth are you doing if you keep thinking it's about you? Stop getting in the way of you and let God do whatever he wants to do in your life. That, my friend, is radical discipleship to to Jesus, which requires radical obedience to him. What if God told you right now, sell everything? Sell everything and give it to me. Could you do that? I actually know pastors. I'm like, you're crazy, man. Like, if that's what Jesus told you to do, do it. Where they're like, yeah, man, God told me to sell my house, sell everything that I own, and move to another city. I don't need anything. I'm like, that, (laughs) that's radical discipleship. Jesus, if you want to do that with me, great, but that's going to be hard. In fact, that's actually what happened in the scripture. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm listening to all the commandments that the rabbis have taught. Jesus is like, yeah, but I could tell your heart. You do that out of duty. You love God out of duty, not out of relationship. So if you really love him, give up everything. Come follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler looked at him and said, I can't do that, and left. I don't know if Jesus is telling you to, like, sell everything, give up, but I do think that he would tell you to give up everything. Get out of the way of you. The relationship that you're in, is it honoring unto God? If it's not, make it right. If the person can't make it right, then remove yourself because you are not doing the will of the Father. People write to me on Instagram. It's so interesting. Well, I'm dating this person. They're an atheist, but, like, I feel like it's my will to, you know, bring them to Christ. I'm like, wrong, sorry, that's not true. You're not a missionary dater. Have you heard that term? It's like an old school Christian term. The person that you're dating does not love God? My friend, run. It's that simple. I'm sorry, that hurts. If the person that you're dating does not love God more, ah, Now, in marriage, it's different. You've created a covenant. You are bound to that person. You are bound to that person. And there's reason for divorce. But do you know how much God hates divorce? Can't stand it. Why? What does it do to the little ones? And you know what all of that could have been fixed? Honestly, is if you just did the will of the Father and were obedient to him. So right now, if, if you're in the room or if you're online or if you're listening to this, here's my challenge to you. What is God telling you to do right now? It could be cosmic. It could be big. It could be terrifying. What is he telling you to do? It could be small and minute but very difficult. If he's telling you to do it, you need to do it. 
especially if it aligns to God's word. Now, sometimes they're big and radical, and you might not know. That's where, that's where counsel comes in. Do you know that? The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. That's where you go to someone who actually, my mom would always tell me this. Thank you, mom, for teaching me this. She would say, Sammy, why do you go to people who don't love God for wisdom, for direction? Why would you do that? So many people do that. They go to somebody, even a best friend. They have all of the like wisdom of the world. They got all the money in the world. And you're going to them for direction for your life and they don't love God. That is foolishness. So I'm like, I've learned like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go to God. I'm going to go to the people around me. I'm going to discern what this is. And if I feel like this is God, I'm moving forward. But there are other things that are super plain and simple, man. You don't need a pastor to tell you. God has already made it very clear. So for you and your life and your journey, you need to start eating with purpose. I'm eating with purpose. I'm going to eat as much as I can now. I'm going to get as much calories as I can. I won't count the calories, but I'll count the protein. I'm going to do whatever it is God told me to do. I'm going to eat and move and live and dream with purpose. And that's what I want for your life. That's what God wants for your life. So in this moment, if you just would close your eyes with me, I want you to ask God, Lord, show me what it is that you want me to do in my life. Say, Holy Spirit, show me the things that you want me to get rid of. Holy Spirit, show me the things that you want me to step into. Holy Spirit, give me faith and eyes to see. Holy Spirit, give me your heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And then whatever he shows you, if it lines with his word, then do it. And if you don't do it, then delayed obedience is still disobedience. Jesus, I pray for every person in this room under the sound of my voice. I ask, oh God, that the fear of God, the reverence of God, the love of God would consume every soul in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would give them dreams and visions, that you would give them a hope for a better future. I pray, Lord, that the call that you have over every person, that you would show them, that you would pull on the strings of their heart, that as they look to you as their king and as their savior and as their God, that you would show them all the things, Lord, that you have in store for their life so that we can eat with purpose, so that we can run with purpose, so that we can strive with purpose, not aimlessly, but moving towards everything you've called us to do. And it's in Jesus' name.